Well, big welcome to Equipus Church. You've joined us on a special Sunday in the life of the church. It's Miracle Sunday. You know, one of the things about Miracle Sunday is uh, we take up our miracle offering. You know, I'm just so thankful for Equipus. Uh, I'm so thankful for the church, but I'm also so thankful for this church. This church has had a huge role in shaping my life and changing my life. And at the end of this service, we're going to take, have an opportunity where we come together as a church family and we invest into the future of what God has in store for us. And, you know, it's our tithes and offerings that, you know, cover the runnings of the church. And as a church, we've got a policy. We're an open book church. And, you know, we'd love to, if you just want to look or anything, we got our annual report from 2019. It's up on our website. But as a church, we just love to be open with how we use our and steward our finances because we believe that God's entrusted us to impact the city and t- touch the world. And uh, it's through the generosity of people that enables that. But it's our ties that make us to operate on a weekly basis. But a miracle offering is a chance where we get to come and we get the soul above and beyond. We get to sow into what's ahead for us as equippers. And I can tell you there's exciting days ahead for us as a church. The plan that God has for His church is His church is always advancing. It's always moving forward. And so I can guarantee in the future holds great days. And the future holds more changed lives. But, you know, tonight I just want to start by sharing my journey to finding this community. Uh, I was uh, 18 years old, grew up in a rural town, and um, growing up, I went to a church, but at 18 years old, I become disconnected, and for a period there, just a bit disillusioned around church, and series of events that happened, and I remember 18 years old, I was in my first flat, and uh, my flatmate was actually uh, part of another local church, which is now known as Equipus Thames, and uh, he came home one day after work and told me he got roped into having to act in a production. And so like any good flatmate, I went along to laugh at him. And uh, I had never, never been to that church before. And I remember turning up that evening and walking to those doors. And, and uh, there, and my flatmate was in this production and me and another friend were there. We we're laughing, enjoying it. But uh, at the end of that, that night, uh, a lady came up to us who was running the local youth ministry in that church at the time, and they had a camp coming up this weekend, and uh, she re- was desperate for some drivers, so she asked us, oh, would we consider helping drive a bunch of kids down to a camp in Matamata? And uh, me and my flatmate was with us at that time, and we said, oh, yeah, we can, we can lend a hand, we can drive. And so anyway, that weekend, we drove a bunch of teenagers down to uh, this camp in Matamata. And uh, I had never heard of Equippers, never experienced Equippers, never knew anything about it. But the camp that we went to happened to be hosted uh, by Equippers. It was branded youth camp for the people out there that remember branded. And uh, I remember walking into that weekend, like I said, I'd been a bit disconnected for about six months from church. And that environment changed my life significantly. The idea that I needed to get back into a community and back into church and the decision in that moment to actually say, you know what, I need to make this church my church. And uh, it was then that I joined what's known as Equipus Church Thames. And from that day on, my life has been radically changed and, and the journey God's taken me on has been incredible. Uh, but I really, it all came back to just a 
a simple decision. For me, it was just a decision to help somebody drive some people to a, to a camp where God used just a simple decision here to have an impact on my life that would change everything from that moment onwards. But I was just thinking the other day, I've been involved in running youth camps now and uh, a number of times and realized it takes a lot of people to make something like that come together. And I was just thinking that camp had such a profound impact on my life. It's how I engaged in the community called Equippers, and, and it's, it, it did a whole lot of work in my heart. But there was people that I, I know would have been part of pulling that camp together that would never have any idea, would have never have any idea who I was, or even still have no idea who I was and the impact they had. That camp would have happened one day because of results of a team sitting around and feeling the prompting from God to say, hey, should we run a camp? Yeah, let's run a camp. And they decide to host the camp, not knowing that their decision of obedience there, and they created an environment that was going to change my life over here. And that's what I just love about God is how in one place he uses somebody's simple obedience to have a significant impact in somebody else's world the cooks, the team, and I've run camps, like I said. I know the people that had given to make that budget work would have never had any idea of the impact it was going to have on my life. And I know it had impact on many other people. But the reason I was reflecting on this, because I was even thinking about this time where we come together as a church and we get to sow and invest in a miracle offering. The reality is I, I give because I know it's a principle of God. I know the world of the generous gets larger and larger. I give because I know my generosity releases the control money has over me. I give, but the real reason I give is because I believe somebody gave so that I might encounter Jesus. Now I have an opportunity to give so somebody else might come to know Jesus. And if you've been a part of Equippers for any time, you realize this church is not just having an impact here in Auckland. It's got churches right across the globe. And there's been money that we will give that will go into things we know nothing about, that will touch lives that we never hear about. But my confidence in knowing as I, as I sow and I invest, my simple obedience over here can have a significant impact in somebody else's world over here. That it's just an act of, of just a faithful obedience. God, what do I feel? And what am I willing to sow into? What are you saying to me, God? And obedience here, like it did for a bunch of people, oh, we should run a camp. Somebody's obedience here changed my world over here and they knew nothing about it. I want to say as we come together and as we give and as we invest into what God's doing, there's going to be lives going to be changed that you won't hear about, but you had a part in playing. That actually because of your generosity, it enables the church to keep moving forward. But I just love the fact that a simple obedient act here can have a significant impact over here. You know, I was early on this week, I was uh, reading a, a passage. I've been reading again just through the life of King Saul. For those who don't know, King Saul was the, the king in place before King David. Now, at the later years of his, his reign as king, uh, he didn't do things so right. But in his early days, actually Saul's uh, journey towards becoming king is, is quite an interesting story. His, he was just, uh, his father uh, had donkeys had gone missing. 
And uh, Saul, they reckon, was no one of real stature or no one of real importance in society. But Samuel at the time was looking to anoint someone as king because the people had been asking for a king. And so God says, anointed king. But at the same time, what happened is, is Saul's uh, father had lost his donkey. So he sends Saul on a mission to go find the donkeys. So Saul would have left his home that day thinking this journey is about me finding my father's donkeys and returning them back to him. But on the journey, for long story short, on the journey to trying to find the donkeys, he encounters Samuel. And the word of the Lord comes to Samuel to appoint Saul as king. And I was just thinking about that the other day and just thinking, man, Saul would have had no idea. Just an act of obedience to obey his father and go look for some donkeys here resulted in a significant change over here. That it was just why he set out doing one thing, but God used the situation to do an even greater thing. And I just love the fact, even as a church, man, we're setting out to do a good thing, but I know God will even take our good thing and turn it to an even greater thing. That's the nature of God. But the question is not so much what's going to happen over here. The question we're left with today is what are we going to do over here? That actually what's the obedience step for us in this space that God's going to use to enable impact in another space? You know, I was thinking about a a, a scripture uh, early, early on. And uh, Joshua 3 verse 5 is a scripture that, that actually caught my attention, especially in my early 20s. It's a, it's a scripture where Joshua has now uh, taken charge uh, of, of leading the people, and he's about to lead them into, uh, a, into a great time of victory. Uh, but the word of the Lord comes to Joshua, and that they're about to go into the season of victory. And Joshua turns to the people, and he says this in Joshua 3 verse 5. He says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And I remember reading this and just being captivated by the confidence of Joshua to say the Lord will do amazing things amongst us. Not I hope he will, not I think he could, but this confidence inside Joshua's heart to say, no, I know the Lord will do great things. I know the Lord will do. That actually, as he looked into his future, he had a confidence in God saying, you know what? God's got good things. And when it comes to the church, I know God's got good things. God will do great things amongst us. But what I love about Joshua, because in this moment, he didn't just hear about his future. He also heard about his current situation. He heard the purposes for tomorrow, but he also heard the plan for today. And I think for, for at times for some of us, we, we want to take hold of the purpose that God has for us tomorrow. But the question on whether we take hold of the purpose tomorrow is whether we're willing to, to buy into God's plan for us today, what God has to say today. And often, you know, people go around chasing, trying to find purpose, trying to find meaning. And I've come to discover in my life so far that actually the way God's revealed His purposes about 
my future? Is that actually when I've just decided to be obedient with what God's put in front of me today, with the opportunity that God has laid before me today? A lot of people are willing to buy into God's purpose, but not so willing to embrace God's plan for the here and now. But God's plan on how we steward our lives, how we live our lives, how we go about our lives are only there to enable His purposes for our tomorrow. And Joshua was standing there with his people and he said, hey, God will do great things tomorrow. So today we've got to consecrate ourselves. That actually it was his confidence of his future that determined his actions today. What you believe about tomorrow will determine how you respond today. But also what you, how you respond today is going to shape where we start tomorrow. You know, I, I am amazed by Joshua because... This is this, this moment of great faith for Joshua to even keep advancing. Joshua was the leader that led the people into the promised land. When God came to Joshua, it was 40 years later. 40 years earlier, Joshua had gone as one of the spies to spy out the land and came back with a report that the land God will deliver into our hands. But it was 40 years later until a whole generation had passed that God actually came and had this moment which enabled a way forward for them. But what I love about Joshua is even 40 years later, God still found him believing, but God also still found him willing. That 40 years on, you still had a man who still believed in the future God had, who still believed in the promises God had, but was also willing to embrace the plan God had. You know, as a people, we want to not just embrace or believe for His future, we also got to embrace God's plan and a willingness in our heart to follow here and now. You know, one of the things God desires is He desires obedience. Now that word obedience is... um. If for many, it, it kind of creates different kind of feelings. Uh, that just that, that simple word obedience. For some of us, it, it kind of gets that feeling like there's a strict master who we must obey. But that's not how it is with God at all. God does desires our obedience, not because he's a strict rule master who just wants us to get in line. God desires our obedience because it's obedience to him which will take us into his promises. That it's actually when we choose to obey God, that God's plans are to prosper us. God's plan is to give us a future. That God's plan is better for me than my plan. And the desire of God for us to obey Him isn't that we might just fall into His line, but that He might be able to release His purpose over our life. That it's, a, it's an obedience, out of, it's a desire out of the love of a God that is for us and a God that desires the best for us. He says, if you would just obey my plans today, I can release my purposes for you tomorrow. And that's what I love about the heart of Joshua, is because although there was a great promise for tomorrow, there's also a great willingness about where he was here and today. You know, there's a, like I talked about King Saul, where King Saul's kind of reign kind of went wrong. One of the incidences is when God had given Saul a word to go up and destroy an army. And to not bring anything back, but to wipe it all out. And that was the instruction. That was the plan from God. But while Saul and the soldiers are up there, they saw what they could bring. And they end up bringing some of the cattle and the sheep back. 
You know, Samuel turns up on the scenes and says, why have you disobeyed God? But what Saul and that had done is, is they had been disobedient to the plans of God, but they had decided to just sacrifice Make a sacrifice to God to try and to try and outweigh the disobedience they had just done. But we come back to a moment where where, where Samuel's talking and he talks about God desires obedience more than sacrifice. Because God's desire for us in obeying Him is that we might be able to follow His plans and purposes. God desires the best for you. God desires even us as a church for a great future. This miracle offering is titled For the Generations. I'm thankful to be a part of a church that is not here today, gone tomorrow, but believes in a generational impact. But how we step into the plans and purposes God has in front of us is by our obedience in the moments God has us in here and now. And this church has been established and has been built over the years and has churches right across the world, not by just the intelligence of leadership, but by the obedience to the prompting of this Holy Spirit to step out on what God is saying. You know, when, when it comes to, you know, decisions and decision-making and about our future and our today, you see, most people struggle to connect the small choices we constantly make today to the big differences we want to make tomorrow. That actually it's the consistent small things we do that often end up having the big impact down the road. Now, but you got to often ask yourself the question and stop and take a stock take of your life, not just what, do, what am I doing right now, but what's driving me to do what I'm doing? You know, I... In my, in my early 20s, uh, I was a cabinet maker and ended up doing a job one day helping uh, uh, the local owner of uh, the McDonald's in the town I grew up in. And anyway, I, got, I was quite inspired by his story, in fact. Uh, he, was, uh, he, he owned the, the local McDonald's. He also owned two other McDonald's at that time. And I was just asking him kind of how did that come about? Like, how do you end up owning a McDonald's? Uh, bit of the bucket list kind of dream. Uh, and all the cheeseburgers you could want. And uh, anyway, it got to him how, how he came about owning McDonald's or a couple of the restaurants is, is uh, when he left school, he had a dream in his heart to own a McDonald's. It was a dream he had. And instead of going off to university or going off to another thing, he just decided to get a job at McDonald's and just to work at McDonald's. And he just worked his way and he studied courses along the journey and he just worked his way up over years to a point when he became an owner of a restaurant and then became an owner of multiple restaurants. But it's an interesting part of the story that really got me was how he was talking about how the early days were the hardest, but not the hardest because, because of the job, but hardest because of the percep- how he was perceived amongst his peers that actually everyone was coming to him and saying, oh, come on, man, you're smarter than this. Why are you just working at McDonald's? And, and for about the first five years, people were telling him, you got to leave, you got to leave. You need to go to university, you need to get a degree, get a trade, get all these other things. Because they saw him working at McDonald's and thought, why is he doing that? He needs to do something more than that. 
But the reality is he was doing it because he had a dream in his heart and a plan in his life. And so people were judging his actions, but he was like, the hardest thing is I had a dream in my heart that I was prepared to follow. And other people were trying to judge his actions, but weren't taking uh, taking in consideration his dream. In fact, after he'd owned three restaurants, he ended up getting headhunted and ended up becoming a key manager in Fonterra. And a lot of people now look at him and think, man, he's a successful guy. But actually, this pathway to where he is now was actually to just embrace what he is a believer in God, to embrace what he believed God had for him in his early years. And why other people couldn't see the decision, why he was making the decision. He knew in himself why he was making this decision. And I've got to ask you the question is, what's driving the decisions you're making? What's driving the decisions you make? I remember, you know, in my, in my teenage years, uh, I spent too many hours in A&E. Uh, had a certain group of friends who liked to do stupid things. The worst thing about ending up in A&E after doing something stupid with your friends, getting hurt, whatnot, is is having to explain to them what happened because while your friends are there, it's funny. But when your friends aren't there, it's just a stupid story. You're, you're just an idiot. And uh, I remember being in A&E one day because I'd bunged up my ankle because I'd fallen out of a shopping trolley being pulled by a car. And uh, well, I, the only reason I really did it is because I was with my, pre, with, with my friends. And it was actually my, the friends around me that were driving the decisions for me in that moment. You see, there's many reasons why you can make decisions. Like this guy who owned a Macca's, for him it was a dream in his heart that caused him to make a decision. Like Joshua who said, you know what, we got to consecrate ourselves today because God's going to do a great thing tomorrow. It was the, the, the word of God for his future that drove his decisions that day. Often I've made decisions in my life, not based on a dream or word from God, but based on the people around me. In fact, there's a, a moment in Scripture uh, where even Jesus comes across three men uh, and he asks them uh, to follow him. He creates an opportunity for them to step into a great purpose for their life. He creates an opportunity for them to shift their future. Uh, and he asks them, and one of them says to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever I go. And the response of Jesus in that moment is foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of God has no place to rest his head. He talks to the, turns to the first man, even though there's a willingness in his heart to embrace the promise God had for his future, there wasn't the same willingness about where he was at today. Jesus responds to him in this way because they believe that the man was, was, was consumed with the safety of stuff or there's things in his world that he wanted. And Jesus said, unless you let that go, you're going to struggle to step into this. He then goes on to another man and says, follow me. But the guy replies, first let me go bury my father. Jesus turns to him and says, let the, bed, let the dead bury their own. Uh, and it's a harsh statement, but we, we know uh, that Jesus isn't being harsh in that moment. What he's saying to that guy is, is that in the Jewish culture, the guy was saying, let me stay at home until my father passes away so I can get hold of the inheritance. And then once I've got my inheritance, Jesus, I'm willing to follow you. Jesus, I want your purpose. Jesus, I want your future. But I've also got my plan going on here. 
And when I outwork my plan, then I'll take hold of your future. That he wanted God's future for him tomorrow, but he also wanted to embrace his own plan for what he was going to do today. Jesus says, hey, that's not going to work. Lastly, he says to another man, follow me. The guy says, I will follow, but Lord, first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Now, some commentaries would say what he's not saying is, I just want to say goodbye to mum and then come on my way. Commentaries that I've read suggest that he was wanting to go get permission. I've just got to go check it's good with the people around me. And if it's good with everyone else, then God, I'll, I'm all in for you. Jesus, I want your future. But I've also got my plan on what I'm doing here today. And I've come to realize in order to take hold of the future of God, I've also got to be willing to embrace the plan God has for me. But how I perceive God's plans will determine how I respond to them. That if I just see God as a strict master, if I see God as this big distant thing in the sky, I'll struggle to sometimes obey what God's trying to tell me to do today. But when I believe that God is a good God, and when I believe that God has great things in store, and when I believe God's plan is far better than my plan, and although sometimes God's plan can sometimes cause us to get a little bit anxious because we're unsure on how it's going to work out, I've got a confidence and a trust in knowing, no, I'm following a loving Father, a God that is for me. You know, and just lastly, there's another moment in the book of Acts in verse 21 where Paul is about to go up to Jerusalem. Now, Paul, the time, the early church was getting persecuted because they were sharing the gospel. And a prophet comes and gives a word to Paul and the people about how when Paul gets to Jerusalem, he's going to be beaten. And in Acts 21 verse 12, it says this, when we heard this, this is Luke writing, when we heard this, we and the people, Luke and the people pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am not, I'm ready not only to be bound, but also die in Jerusalem for the name of Jesus. There is, I'm reading you the scriptures because you can see here, the motive on Paul's life was to be obedient and spreading the gospel to as many people and to be obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit to go wherever God might take him in the hopes that others might come to know Jesus. So Paul was willing to embrace the plan that God had for him today even though it looked hard because Paul was committed to the future of what God had in store. People looking on at Paul said, Paul, this is a bad idea, don't do it. But they were looking at his actions but didn't understand his motives. Our motive behind miracle offering, giving, going above and beyond is simply that we might see more people come to know Jesus. That we might be able to go further. 
that we might be able to plant more churches, might be able to create more environments, might be able to reach more lives. And in a moment, we're about to take up our miracle offering. But I really just want to ask you today, come on, what's God saying to you today? Because if we want to take hold of God's future for us tomorrow, we got to be willing to buy into what God's trying to say to us here today. And I know there's a lot of youth, a lot of young adults streaming in. Maybe you're like, well, I don't have much to give. I say it's not about one person doing a big thing. It's about a whole team of people coming together. We believe as we come together and as we sow and we invest, we know God will do a great thing. But we also want to be a people today that are willing to do what it takes today so that somebody in the future might be blessed and encountered. I'm so thankful that people gave so that I could encounter this place. Today, my motive behind giving a miracle offering is that I might give so somebody else might have the opportunity to encounter what I've encountered. I might not even know their name and I might not ever hear their story. But today, I know I've got an opportunity as we give together. God can take it and God will do great things amongst us. Hey, I just want to pray over our offering tonight. And God, we choose today to sow and invest. Lord, each and every one of us that are coming, offering up to you, God, what we have, what we feel, Lord, you put on our heart to give. And whether we're giving in a lump sum today or we're pledging to give amounts across the year, God, we just pray you'd take this offering and you'd use it. Lord, you'd use it to touch lives. Lord, that your kingdom would continue to advance. Lord, that there's going to be stories of lives changed and transformed. Lord, and what's going to enable us to keep moving forward and take new territory is just what's been sown in this moment. So, God, I pray you bless every person. Lord, that your hand would be upon them. Lord, we pray right now for every person believing for a miracle in their own world. Lord, we pray in this next season. Lord, they just step into a season of miracles. Lord, where each and every person would just see your hand at work in each and every situation. God, we thank you for what's ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.